everyone who knows me knows that my dogs are never short on outfits. I buy leashes and collars like some people buy shoes and handbags. And my favorite collar is Iggy's custom-made Paco collar. Paco collars are 100% handmade from scratch by an amazing staff of artists, and the quality really is unparalleled. My dogs can't have collars that don't withstand wear and tear. They hike, they swim, they roll on dead stuff. These collars are guaranteed to last a lifetime, and they're designed to be worn by active dogs like mine. Iggy's collar is perfect for her. It's got purple stones, stars, and a beautiful design. There are literally thousands of design options to choose from, but don't worry. The staff at Paco loves helping customers pick out the best collar for their pets. That's exactly what they did when I went to their booth with Iggy. And they make stuff for humans too, so get over to PacoCollars.com and buy the best collar you've ever had, and don't forget to enter promo code COGDOG for free shipping. Hey there, dog people of the internet. It's me, Sarah Strumming of The Cognitive Canine, and this is Cog Dog Radio, a podcast about all things dog sports and dog training. Join me as I explore my cases and considerations regarding the behavior of the dogs we live and play with. I hope you enjoy it. guys, I'm on my way home from a regional, from the Rocky Mountain Regional Championship of Dog Agility. It's a USDAA event. Um, it's held in Colorado every other year, and Colorado is where I'm from, so I like to go back and do that every, um, every other year. And so I haven't actually done dog agility in the state of Colorado for two years, um, and getting to return was really fun. Got to see a lot of old friends and have a great time and Iggy brought home some bling and it was just fantastic so but what was really great about it um, is that I haven't seen this community in a long time and I have seen some positive changes that have taken place that I'm certainly not gonna stand here and take credit for but they are changes that I think I'm seeing as a whole overall in the culture of dog agility um, that I think are really positive and what these changes are are just people generally overall being a little more cognizant of their dog's emotional state maybe more respectful of their dog's emotional state I actually saw multiple snuffle mats in use. You guys, snuffle mats on the ground in use at a regional championship. I was elated. I was so excited that people were actively employing um, the beauty that is sniffing and the amazing thing that happens when we allow our dogs to sniff. Um, I mean, it was incredible. and. I'm going to make a photo collage because I took a bunch of pictures of dogs snuffling away in a snuffle mat in their busy trial space um, and just totally in sniffing bliss. And I couldn't have been happier about that. Um, I saw far fewer dogs than I'm used to barking and lunging at the sidelines. I saw far fewer dogs than I'm used to um, you know, just completely losing their minds on the course. 
and this wasn't only a regional there was also advanced and starters titling classes so there were so you know you can't say well that's because all these dogs are experienced because they certainly weren't there were a lot of really young dogs there including Felix um who were for the most part really holding it together I just didn't see um the huge number of dogs having major major struggles that I'm used to seeing and that's really exciting for me because it means that all of the work that I think a select handful of dog trainers are doing and I like to think of myself in that handful as as being a part of that handful um all of the work that we are doing is about that is about saying hey um, let's be aware of the mental state that our dogs are in because that's actually going to be beneficial to us um, on course. Or maybe saying, hey, it's okay to feed your dog ringside as opposed to, you know, tug maniacally. Now, tugging maniacally is sometimes the best thing for the dog. That's true, but not always. And I'm just seeing mindful people, mindful dogs, and I'm really excited about it. I in fact, couldn't be more excited about it (laughs) because to me, a cultural shift kind of needs to take place, um, in dog agility, in particular in dog agility training and seeing these things happening tells me that that cultural shift is actually taking place. Um, there's also less, um, just full-on restriction of the dogs, especially at a USDAA event, people are less restrictive of their dogs. There's more dogs off leash. There's less ring gating and things like that. Um, when I go to a trial and I see all the dogs, you know, being strung up on a very tight collar or some kind of restrictive no pull device, which can be absolutely necessary in a lot of occasions, but is not necessary in all occasions. Um, I have to wonder, you know, how would those dogs be acting if they were actually given a little bit more freedom? And we'll never know the answer until we do try that out. Um, But I'm just seeing good stuff. And I saw people, you know, playing with puppies and letting puppies, you know, kind of wander and be dogs and not, you know, walk in a perfect heel (laughs) at the the human side. And um, I just saw great things. And you know, I certainly saw other things that puzzled me as well. Um, because I always do one of which being, I saw more than one handler at the practice jump, um, just repeatedly asking the dog for a behavior, let's say a backside, um, on the jump and the dog getting it right. And the handler giving the dog no information other than to just circle the dog around and ask them for another backside. And it almost looked to me as though the dog did it wrong but I thought the cue meant to take the back of the jump because the cue was something very simple like back um or push which usually means backside of the jump but you know I could be wrong um I was puzzled by that because if I'm confused as to whether the dog is getting it right or not I have to think that maybe the dog's also confused about that so you know that was puzzling to me but um whatever works, whatever's working for you, whatever your system is, I, who am I to say it's wrong if it's working for you? And the select handlers that I was watching, um, I was actually created right by the practice jump. So I saw a ton of people warming the dogs up and I saw a ton of great reinforcement being 
in use, but I also saw just these gaps of information um, that just make me go, God, dogs are so incredible. Like, there's a reason this is not cat agility, um, <laughs> because dogs work so hard to figure us out, and they're just, I think, the most incredible animal, um, obviously. But other cool things that I always love when I get to go to an agility event that's not at home, that's somewhere that I don't normally go to, um, is just seeing different ways of handling situations and different, um, different ways of creating dogs, of walking dogs, of reinforcing dogs after the run. And what I was really noticing was just a pretty much a lack of conflict. I only saw one incidence in which a dog, you know, someone was ignoring their dog and it kind of got in another dog's face and it was a little bit of a problem, but not a real problem. Um, but overall people were attentive to where their dogs were, attentive to their, their dog's feelings. And, um, it was just a huge pleasant surprise. And I think it goes along the lines of what I was talking about in my last podcast, where I talked about shut up and show off. Um, where when we where you know, people pick up what kind of trainer you are by the way that you are interacting with your dog at a trial and, you know, telling your dog that they're great, uh, telling your dog that, you know, that that error was your fault. Um, people pick up on those things. They also pick up on feeding. If you feed your dog, they pick up on, if you tug with your dog, they, you know, everybody, you know, people do notice these things. I'm not the only one that notices it. And the general public was there watching. And so I think we as competitors have an even bigger responsibility of saying, yeah, I've got this incredibly trained dog. And the way that I trained this dog was with positive reinforcement. I didn't train this dog with harsh corrections. And if the, if, you know, Joe public dog owner walks into an agility trial and they're seeing one of the top handlers be corrective and harsh, um, toward their dog, or even just in the language that they use describing their dog or describing their run, that's again, what we are perpetuating in the dog owning culture. And it's important for us to be an example and feed our dogs a cookie and tell our dogs they're wonderful and um, play with our dogs really actively because I think that's one of the biggest things that pet owners can take from agility trials in particular is that play is important and play is worthwhile because I wish that more people did actually play with their dogs. I think that a lot of problems would be solved if people genuinely uh, played with their dogs or went on walks with their dogs as opposed to having kind of their own agenda. So it all kind of, you know, it all comes together. Um, having dogs that can do amazing things and having people see those dogs that do amazing things, people will pay attention to how you got there. And if you appear to have gotten there through correction or through just not paying any attention to the dog's emotional state, then you're just building um, the picture for the public that we don't want to actually be building. Um, and I think that it's a responsibility that we all have. I think a lot of dog show people kind of consider themselves not pet people and really separate from the 
pet people world or agility people consider themselves separate from the pet people world. But if you're an agility trainer, your clients are going to be pet people. They're going to show up with their pets to play a game. And where you're going to advertise those services is at agility trials because they will go and they will see agility trials and they'll see what you're doing. And so whether you consider yourself separate from the pet owning public or not, you actually are a member of the pet owning public and you're a member of the pet owning public that normal dog people look up to. And so being the person whose dog is being amazing, doing incredible things and getting paid for it with food is super important. Um, and doing that at dog shows is really important and not shunning the general public when they approach you at dog shows is important. Um, because that's definitely happened too. And, you know, we've all been approached at inconvenient times by people that have a question. And I would just encourage us all to say to, if you really don't have time to answer their question, to tell them that you're happy to answer their question, but you don't have time right now. Um, and then maybe make a suggestion of when they can ask you or who they can ask, as opposed to just completely snubbing them because that's happened to me. I mean, when I was really young and going to dog shows, I really felt like, you know, am I a leper walking around? Like, why will no one speak to me? Why will no one answer my questions? Even though I was told to do that, to go learn about agility and learn about dog breeds. Um, and no, I know we're there to compete. We're not there to educate the general public, but it really isn't going to kill you to take 30 seconds of your time um, to be nice <laughs> to a person that walks in. But again, bigger than that, be nice to your dogs, be nice to your dogs in front of them because we are the change. If we are going to be mad about Joe Schmo at the dog park with a shot collar on his dog, posting about that on Facebook is not going to get us anywhere. Getting out there and having well-behaved dogs in public that are being fed for being well-behaved is what's going to get us there. And that extends to our trial and our competition experience because there will be dog-owning public people there. Um, so it's important to do it all the time. And so think about that anytime you're interacting with your dogs in any way that people might be watching. Just be generous with your reinforcement so that they see that and take that home. Um, I think it's the way that we stop this. It's the way that we make dog training um, a better industry because if a person sees, you know, say me in the park handling um, a, an interaction with a strange dog that I didn't want to approach my dogs in a way that looks positive in a way that um, looks like I'm getting the results with food and not with corrections, then, then what's going to happen is if they hire a trainer who suggests that we're going to use corrections to get through this, they know that there is another way to do it. Because what happens is they call the trainer, the trainer says, great, leash reactivity. I've got that on lock. I know, I know how to do that. Um, you know, follow these steps. And yes, it includes a custom fitting of this prong collar or, you know, whatever collar. And we're going to use this correction and yada, yada. If they don't know that there's another way to do this, if they hadn't seen it before, 
then they're just going to follow that advice because this is a professional that they have hired and it isn't their fault. And then when you see this person, you know, popping on their dog on the prong collar or stimming the dog on the e-collar or whatever, and you go, how ignorant is that? Um, that's not helping anybody because if they've never seen it done a different way, how are they supposed to know there is another way? They're just a dog owner. If I take my car to a mechanic and they say, oh, this is your problem and this is how we fix it. I'm literally going to say, okay, how much? Okay. Because I'm not a car expert. I'm just a car owner and your clients are just dog owners are not dog experts. And they're probably not learning theory experts. And guess what? They don't have to be. So this is basically exactly the same message that I brought to you last week, but with a tiny bit of a different flair, which is that we should also be doing this when we're competing, not just when we're out in public with our dogs, because when we're competing, the public is often there. Um, and the bigger the event, the more the spectators. And so the more important it is for us to be kind to our dogs so that that's what they see, so that that's what we perpetuate in the world. So get out there, compete, be nice to your dogs, be nice to other people. I promise you'll actually like it better. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Cog Dog Radio. If you have questions or suggestions, shoot them over to cogdogradio at gmail.com. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to like the Cog Dog Radio Facebook page. And until next time, happy training.